Today on the Marshall Pro Podcast, we have your week in IndyCar guest episode. Who is our guest? Ohio's mighty finest IndyCar, IMSA, Bushlight consumer, and just yeah, man about town, Michael yeah. Shank. Before we say thank you to all of our show sponsors, let's say thanks to you for just being a guy that gives so many people inspiration that even if they have no idea how to get into racing, when they might do it, how they might do it, what they might do. I know that you continue to stand out as someone that fans connect with and say, I, I like what that Shank guy is doing, and it makes me believe I could do some things too. So thanks for being uh, one of the good ones there. Did you say perspiration or aspiration? I, I got confused. I, you know, in my household, especially during summer, I get a little bit of both going. So right, well, um, okay. let's say thank you to Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers, as always, TorontoMotorsports.com and Bell Racing Helmets USA. Mike, I know you got a little bit of stuff to do here, and I do as well. So why don't we just get ripping right now with our listener Q&A? And, yeah, it's our IndyCar show, but, hey, you play in a couple of different paddocks, so we're going to honor that up front announcement today formalize not the world's best kept secret but you are stepping back up to a place that you love that is prototype racing alongside your ongoing indycar program next year so our pal john ranjo says mike i'm gonna get this question in at the buzzer but can you give us some details on your freshly announced acura deal for 2021 and beyond well, we have a multi-year deal in place to run the DPI car, and depending on what happens with the rules, that could very well carry over into the LMDH. They, you know, they've 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 worked hard on this rule book uh, over there, IMSA to ACO, and the ACO just have not been able to actually get them a book yet. I, I think it's supposed to come today. I was told. I don't know if it did or not. Uh, once they look at that, then you know, we can uh, we can hopefully talk about that part of it the lmdh part a little later is another talk talking point but certainly in the next two years will get us back to where we want to be in north america and uh, just mega proud mega happy you know lots of lots of time and effort went into our prototype years from 04 through 16 and uh lots of success and lots of great people and you know really built the team to kind of what it is today got a couple folks who would love to know so drivers hey even that jack harvey guy uh you're gonna be uh keeping him busy with double duty and imsa and indycar next year i know you all didn't announce drivers and such but when do you think we might learn about your acura arx05 dpi roster and how many phone calls have you fielded today from drivers saying dude put me in i'm your man i'm your woman uh, a lot <laughs> but that's okay everyone's excited and looking for opportunity and i get that so uh, we've had a lot of inquiries we're going to announce uh, i hope i'm hoping we announce uh, around sebring time somewhere uh, uh what our driver lineups will be uh, that hasn't been totally established yet but we're working on that and they get to talk a lot more about that all right let's uh go a little deeper here because this crosses both indycar and imsa this comes from our pal tim falkowitz says, Mike, congratulations on the new Acura deal. So I'd like to know how you developed such a strong relationship with Honda, with Acura, both on the sports car and IndyCar side. And what's been the key to keep that thing going for so long? Should also just mention that this has been a gradual increase in this relationship from year to year. So tell us about developing this because a lot of team owners would love to be in the place you're in 
Some might succeed, but some also might fail. You've done it. Well, that's, that's that nice of you to say. Um, you know, I just worked on the relationship a lot, and I also did a few things that I think are mega important. Um, I did everything we said we were going to do on budget. Okay, so not only things to do with money, which we're on budget, but anything else we promised, we did. We also stayed loyal. We never deviated from the Honda way uh, from 2015 through today and had different opportunities along the way to do that, Marshall. Uh, different programs and we stuck we stuck uh, through it uh trust me there's you know in my you know i recognized probably 10 years ago right before we won the rolex or right around the ford era with me is to really be successful as as an independent team you have to eventually have an oem relationship so for the last 12 years 10 years i've tried to figure out a way uh that we can do that so we were in with Ford for a while, didn't go the way we wanted it. Uh, we moved over to Honda for lots of reasons, but uh, that started out as a customer program and just slowly developed. And um, I think the real thing is just handshaking the deal. We, we had more than that. I can promise you that. But it really was looking at Art St. Cyr or the guys that ran for, you know, that signed off on our first program in 17 and saying, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do it at a high level. And just trust me, we're going to do this, even though we weren't a team that, you know, maybe a lot of other teams should have been considered. And a couple guys, including Art, T.E. McHale, some other people really fought for us internally back in that time. And uh, we got it done. Didn't get the prototype program, which I pouted about for a while back then, but uh, actually realized that the GT program has allowed us to refine our systems on the engineering side and organizationally that might have taken a different path if had we not had it. So I see tons of good that came out of uh, uh, the NSX Plus. I'm personally proud of the Evo project that we had a big hand in. Um, I guess that's a long answer, but that's what it is. Let's see. Where should we go next? Uh, yeah. Good one from uh, Harishi Deshpond. says, hey, Mike, interested to know how you decided to grow the team the way that you have. Mentions going from an indie only effort uh, to part time and now full time. Uh, he asks, "What did the decision making look like on the business side of how and when to take each step forward?" Also asks about your goals for the future. So it's a good one, right? Because you've been the most intentional indie car entrant over the last couple of years. You've been Mister Controlled Execution, and I would have to say based on the results so far it's been pretty successful well yeah um very deliberate and it's all based on partnerships and money and uh you know last year as i'll give you a great example last year when we we did the first six races of 2019 and we were 10th in the championship at the time and we all looked at each other and i knew what we were thinking you know let's let's do something let's go for it let's just make it happen even though we didn't have the money and at the end of the day, we looked at each other and said, stop, stop doing that. You know, we have a plan, stick to the plan, don't deviate. And, uh, and it served us well here. I think the, 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 what gave me the, you know, the inspiration to, to that is just watching a lot of other deals happen. Okay. And uh, over the years, three or four or five years on the IndyCar side, they come, they go, they, some do okay, some die off. And uh, I just knew what our means were. And I just, really made sure we didn't go outside of that 
And, you know, at the same time, I had Jim Meyer come on board, very enthusiastic, and I just didn't want to burn him out in any way. And I didn't want to have to ask him for money. That was not the deal when uh, he came, you know, for additional money when he came on. And uh, we didn't do that. And uh, what I did do is rely on his network and my network to, to build a program that could financially sustain itself. And that's where it's at today. I don't honestly recall, Mike, if this is a question someone asked and I just haven't seen it or if it's what popped into my head. So Mr. Meyer, I believe announced he's retiring at the end of the year. Uh, is that, is that the case? And if so, we know that as the head of Sirius XM radio and the fact that we have seen that mighty fine service one I've subscribed to since I think 2005, uh, carried on the number 60 Honda, what might happen there uh, with with Jim? Possibly, uh, I don't know. Maybe he has more time to invest in the team. But any changes, positive or negative, we might anticipate? Uh, yeah, there's no changes. Uh, he, he'll he will indeed work. He announced it last week that he's going to retire, which is good. He's wanted to do that for a long time. He has just done incredible work for Liberty Media and Sirius XM and Pandora, and uh, he's just such a He's just, I just can't overstate how good this guy is in, in, a, in a boardroom, person to person, drinking a beer, whatever you want to do. He is just the most real, most normal, hardest working, thoughtful person. I, I mean, it's just a miracle that I found him, okay, or we found each other maybe. Uh, how this affects our program, it really doesn't too much. Uh, he, he'll still be on the board uh, at Sirius and still have a voice in what happens there. Uh you know, the team there has seen the value and, and likes the value they get from the IndyCar program with us. And, and we'll certainly try to extend their deal uh, when it comes due. And, uh, and you know, by the way, you know, we have a great event in Nashville starting next year. And, and, and you know, uh, the highway is the number one station on Sirius XM. And so we certainly are hoping for even a bigger presence at Nashville for them. And, um, you know, I, we don't see it as anything but business as usual, and we're going to continue to fight and give value to Sirius and uh, get them to stay on board. I might have mentioned this on one of your previous appearances on the show. Um, if not, I'll just share it. I loved, I think it was 2018 maybe, at uh, air quote spring training at Phoenix. And yeah. we had done a podcast. You were uh, along with some other new owners. And we were walking out and you kind of pointed and said, Hey, you see that guy over there? And I said, yeah. And it turned out to be Jim Meyer he said, I'm not going to tell you who he is, but that guy, we're going to do some big things together. And when the time's right, I'll tell you about him and what's going on. But just want you to know that guy over there, we're going to do some pretty big things. I just love the fact that, well, you knew it, but I'm just saying that, you guys have made that happen and he has become such an integral part of what was Michael Shank racing of you and your wife being the two primary, uh, engines behind this team for so many years. Now that it is Meyer Shank racing, it's just so cool to see the guy who said, ah, we got big stuff coming. All this stuff is panning out, man. Uh, I need you to help me pick stocks and do a few other things too. Cause you got the touch there, brother. Well, I, listen, I, it's just like personalities getting together. Midwest sensibilities maybe also could have something to do with it. 
I did. I think I remember what you're exactly talking about at Phoenix. No one knew Jim at the time. At the time, a lot of people do now. Um, if you look at our trajectory, you know, 2017 was pre-Jim, but was when I met him. But we also got the NSX deal. And, you know, from that point, 2017 started with the Acura deal for us. Then Jim came on board and then it just kept coming. And, and it's not that, you know, I believe we fully deserve it. We've took big chances, worked very, very hard. Um, but really, you know, and we got more stuff coming. We're not done with announcements yet, Marshall. I'm excited to talk about that late, a little later. So we're not talking about F1 and NASCAR is what you're telling not me. We're going to save that not for yet. later. Okay. We'll, we'll save that. But uh, I'm just, the guy's just, you know, it'll go down in history someday. We'll write about it and uh, what he's done for this company. So the next question here comes from Keith Douglas Swanson says, Mike, your team has been impressive since stepping into IndyCar a few years back. Now we're hearing the team is exploring a part-time second car in 2021. Can you share what your aspirations happen to be for Meyershank racing and IndyCar over the next couple of years? Uh, we want to be a two car team, Marshall. And, uh, that's as simple as I can state it. So, um, we again here we go back to the same plan we will only do it when the when the funding in the right situations are in place that will not take away from jack's program and um and only then will we do it we want to do it but i can tell you this we don't have any more aspirations in indycar beyond two cars though i just don't need to do any more than that um we're building a brand new facility designed for uh, potentially two indy cars and two sports cars and that would be it and um uh, we hope we get to fill that up. So um, that that is it for us. And whether it comes next year or not, you know, we certainly are, are, are trying. Let's go to Greg Liver's Edge. Says, Mike, how much crossover is there between race day personnel with the MSR IMSA and IndyCar programs? Says, I imagine many of the staff are tied to manufacturer alliances um, and, and so on. But how about others, uh, truck drivers, caterers, logistics people, and so on? And I'll also throw in here, and how much has hiring Matt Swan complicated things and made things worse? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Matt, Matt's been great. Matt's just, you know, Matt's just really getting going uh, also, by the way. And, um, and, and, and it's going to be a big part of what we do, building our new shop. And also doing other things like organizing the shop and, and being the shop manager. So, he, he's all in. What was the first part of the question again? Crossover. What kind of crossover do you oh, have sorry. between uh, IMSA and your IndyCar stuff? And yeah, frankly, course. knowing sorry. that you're going DPI, which tends to call for a few more people and potentially uh, expanding to two cars here sometime soon, uh, could there be more crossover or less uh, in hiring more dedicated people for each program? Well, this is a good question, and we're in the middle of kind of that reorg right now. And uh, as it sits today, very few go between IndyCar and sports car. So it's just myself and the team manager, Jason, that go back and forth. Uh, and we did that on purpose. Now, when we go down from two full-time NSXs to one DPI, we will uh, move around people to cover the, you know, obviously cover the DPI in a big way, transfer a couple over to the IndyCar program, and our and between that and my subcontractors that come work on a daily daily basis, we have a really good, really good group of people that uh, we're going to keep keep going here. All righty, let's go to Brian, Twitter handle at five hundred Indy nineteen eleven asks Mike, what unforeseen challenges challenges has your team come across 
minus the obvious poop shows, uh, 2020 and COVID and whatnot. But what unforeseen challenges have you seen in your first full season in IndyCar? Also, is curious uh, if your full-time experience in sports cars has helped you overcome any of this going full-time in 2020 thing in open wheel. Um, well, the first thing that I can tell you about IndyCar, it is just the hardest thing mentally and physically I've ever been a part of. Um, it is so competitive, huh? and I can't overstate this enough. And people think, well, I'm pretty good at what I do, wherever that might be all over the world. If Until they come and do IndyCar and have to be not only have a perfect race, you have to have a little bit of luck, too, to really do well, right? Um, that has probably surprised me the most. Now, conversely, that toughness is actually, I think, improved our sports car program. And let me give you an example. So, so let me give you an example. You know, the time it takes to get into the pits, get into the pit box, get out of the pit box, and do your outlap, that delta is free money. It's low-hanging fruit. Right. And in IndyCar, if you don't perfect that exchange, you're going to get passed by three cars, guaranteed. In sports cars, we never pushed that. Well, we always pushed it, but we never really emphasized it. And now it's a it's a bullet point in our post race debriefs about where we stood on in and out laps. Right. And we can see how we ebbed and flow the whole time. And so the, that emphasis, that that perfection is carried over from IndyCar to sports car. I love it. We're going to stay on a general theme here from Zachary Burcham. Curious about the biggest challenges you have seen in these compressed weekend schedules due to the good old COVID throwing yeah. the original calendar and about seven that followed into disarray. And also asks, are there any parts of this weird compressed 2020 format you'd maybe vote to keep around yeah um the challenges are being prepared when things go bad okay because there's very little time to react to it so what's that mean it means you have to be more prepared and have a little bit more built up spares give you an example again you know mid-ohio we had a crash in qualifying on sunday morning and we had about a half an hour to 40 minutes to be ready to be a go on the grid and uh, the only reason we were able is because Adam Rovazzini, the crew chief, was absolutely prepare, prepared. So the emphasis is uh, on preparation and having built parts. So a complete upright marshal together, right? A complete axle, tripods greased up, ready to go, ready to go, right? And uh, second question, uh, I I like the con- condensed weekends now i know there's people that don't right and i get it now there, there's good reasons why they don't but i like it from a a new perspective of lean operating these teams as lean as we can and nascar proved it first and now we kind of are also we don't need to be at the track five days or four days we just don't need to be the tricky part is taking care of the promoter which is important to us and me and roger Petsky. So you got to make sure you have content for Fridays and Saturday, you know, Fridays when we're moving in potentially on Fridays and not getting on the track until Saturday, maybe. But uh, I like, I like it. And I really hope that it carries over post COVID here. Good man. Uh, let's see. Jordan Darwin says, Mike, what has been the number 60 Honda's best run this year? Well, we have a trio of seventh place finishes, which, which unfortunately doesn't really reflect how we've run. Um, that, that, and that's the trick to this, this deal, right? We've qualified 
a lot in the top 10 and four or five times in the top five. And, uh, and even ran really well. You know, Jack has no experience on the short ovals and he's done really well on them. Uh, we just haven't been able to actually get the result that, uh, you know, we think we deserved and earned, you know. Um, so that's the, you know, that, you know, we have three more races to try to get our top fives. And, and we're obviously going to do as much as we can to get that. And, um, you know, Jack has proven he can put the laps together in, in a, you know, in the road course and even on some of the oval stuff. So um, we look forward to, to these three and then getting ready for next year. Let's stay here for a sec. Tell me about Jack the Baker Harvey and his development in this first full season with the team. Know that last year, coming out of this partial schedule, there were glimpses uh, of what we saw at his peak in Indy Lights, but I'll, you know, always honest, wasn't totally sure if we were going to see another big step up from Jack. I think we have seen it though, but what? is your opinion on this and i know that you're not a person who's just going to lavish false praise if anything you might be the harshest critic what have you seen from jack uh, in his first full season almost complete yeah i, I see I, I what I, i'll tell you what i say a real a motivated guy that uh, is working every day to try to be better at it and analyzing and doing sim work and whatever he can do physically be ready for it he's advancing exactly on the schedule that we thought he would for the most part. Uh, I think we, we should have had at least three top fives by now, but we just haven't been able to do that yet for a variety of reasons. So uh, we need to get better. There's no question. Uh, we've let him down at least twice that I can think of in the pit lane. Um, we've lost some positions at the start of these races. We can't, you know, we can't lose early on. Um, there's lots of room for improvement, but also lots of indicators that show, uh, we're headed in the right direction, and I really like the team. I like our engineering staff. Uh, our team has been very good in the pit lane, uh, considering we don't have a practice pit stop car. You know, it's basically at the track where we're practicing pit stops. And uh, it's all going, I would say, you know, we're at a B level. If I graded ourselves, we were at maybe a C plus or a B, B minus maybe. Definitely room for improvement, but definitely headed the right way. It's not easy. I'm just, I'm just telling you. I mean, I, it's a real specialty running this, this new, this, this latest IndyCar. Uh, driving it is tricky. Um, you know, it used to be that Penske had special shocks and better aero or whatever, but you know, those days are gone. There's certainly days that their cars are good, but everybody's pretty good. Everybody. So. Going to close the show with a bunch of fun questions here. Starting with James Pateo says, Mike, I believe I've seen you interviewed at a lake house. What form of water sports do you enjoy? Skiing, tubing, wakeboarding, etc." Well, that's right. I, I, I do love the lake. I live on a lake east of Columbus, and uh, uh, probably for the last 15, 12 or 15 years, we surf. And I haven't in a couple of years because I'm always racing now, but we had multitudes of wakeboard boats so that we could surf behind. We also had a a place down in Lake North Tennessee that we let, we had for a long time. And unfortunately I have to give some of that up now because I'm racing, uh, every weekend, but two or three, I can't remember. And, um, so I do have a very fast pontoon boat. I can promise you that now. So, uh, we do lots of stuff. Let's go to our pal, Andy Merrick says, Mike, when I was a kid, I used to travel all around the, uh, Sendiv, central division of the SCCA, and those tracks and saw you drive a bunch of 
Formula Atlantic races. So I know you started racing before Atlantic's though. What was your first race car and what are some of your favorite things about that early stage of your career as a future IndyCar champion? Um, the first real race car I drove, um, well, actually I went, so I didn't have any money at all. I was 17, just turning 18 and I bought a H production bug eye Sprite. Yeah. And just to go to drive, and it was terrible. It's terrible, but I didn't know any better. And it was a cheap, it was four grand, I think. And that got me a, a license. I immediately, I immediately recognized during that year. I can't remember what year that would have been, but I got to get into something like Formula Ford, Formula 2000, Sports 2000. And I, I picked Sports 2000. So my first real kind of real tub type race car was a Tyga, an SC83, they called it. A Tiger Sports 2000, and that started it from there. And um, and there's, I, I remember almost quitting with that car too, but uh, had a couple good runs at Mid Ohio, and decided to stay in racing, and that changed the the future for me. Wow. Let's go to where do we go? All right, Brian Kirby says the pressure and stress of simultaneously running multiple programs across multiple series must be relentless, Mike. So has your team's success been hard-earned? Can you share a story, one story about maybe savoring a good moment? Mm, in general, huh? Um, I, I can think of a couple, actually, that were just incredible. Um, on the IndyCar side, the first time we transferred from in a qualifying session was St. Petersburg 2019. And so that means we made, you know, in the first round of qualifying, we, we made the cut for the first time. You know what I mean, Marshall? Yeah. And uh, I remember just feeling overcome with ha- happiness and pride. I, it's crazy. I mean, all we did was advance, but it was so hard. And I remember doing that. And that was an awesome feeling. Of course, winning the Rolex 2012 was, a, is, was just ridiculously cool um, and really changed the face of our um, our, our business forever. And, um, and, and that was great. And then, then lastly, when we had our first, and there's been a lot more, but you know, when we had our first podium at Indy at IMS in 19, uh, 19, I guess it was, was it 18 or 19? I think it was 19, 19, yeah, third, if I recall. Yeah. You know, running well, that, that was, that was, uh, a, a, a rain, just raining emotions for us because, and for me personally, just, knowing that, man, maybe we do belong here. Let's see. Where are we going? Mike, says Dave Heisen. Enjoy hearing your angles on your racing exploits. Uh, curious if the team owner meetings you're in are interesting. Uh, and are there any rabble-rousers who cause trouble in them? Or is everybody super loyal and just in lockstep listening to Roger Penske? You know what? Uh, Roger is a baller, man. He is a game there. He is, there's a reason why, you know, this is going to sound like a big kiss ass session for Roger, but you know, when the pandemic kicked in is when Roger, I think really shown his best and you know, all these guys, these are, these are very veteran guys that have their very strong opinions. Right. And, 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 and with good reason, good reason, they've earned their way to where they're at. And, uh, but with Roger, I think everyone has a level of respect and, um, he, he, Roger always says, well, what do you guys think? And he's like, well, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> and, uh, there's no question what we're going to do, but, um, uh, I love it. I think he's, 
pretty damn transparent for us owners. Uh, we always felt like we we knew most of the things going on and what his direction was. And I like the team owners meeting. They're not bad. I, I know in, in days have gone by that they could be pretty crazy, but uh, I haven't experienced that. I experienced a very well-run, uh, well, tight ship like maybe you would expect from him. I just want to see a fight broken up when we can go away from Zoom meetings and whatnot. So uh, let's go to Chris Hoffman. Says, Mike, what would be the title of your autobiography? And please tell me there will be one <laughs> at some point. Shit, I don't know. I haven't even thought about that. I, I have no, I don't know. Uh, I, we haven't got to that point yet. I'm not, not, not that old yet. Ah, but there's what we know that there are enough stories to fill that book. There's we a, do there's know that. Lot. Just, just the AJ Almendinger section will will be enough to tip people over. So I might have to pay you for the privilege of writing that sucker for you. Um, <laughs> all right, we're gonna close here. Two to go. Jason Hatfield asks, Mike, can we social distance some Bud Light con- or Bush Light consumption <laughs> at the Harvest Grand Prix? Since sure. there are gonna be fans there, uh, are there, we we got any plans for a big old tub of? ice and uh and cold brew what, what's going on here well listen if someone sees me and they got one cold ready to go i'll come over and we'll uh we'll do one real quick no problem at all hook a brother up Th- throw it as high and as hard as you can from either the turn four or turn three grandstands yeah, michael yeah, exactly. catch it on pit lane mid-race i'm just saying That's it. this That's can it. happen um you know all right i wasn't going to mention this but i realized that uh Right turn lover, a uh, friend of ours, sent in saying, just wanted to congratulate Mike on his fine taste and stickers. Hashtag Shabrell Strong. And, you know, I've thanked oh, you many sure. times, but I yeah, should definitely course. thank you again here for the uh, beautiful, beautiful gesture. My wife uh, brought to tears by carrying her uh, support sticker, and she is now a lifelong fan of Jack Harvey. No joke. Uh, she's yeah. asked me how Jack is doing in every race since. So pretty <laughs> awesome. Idea. Um, we're going to close with Barry Lee and Rob Ball. Uh, first one from Barry, Mike, what Van Halen song best describes your fine driver, Jack Harvey. And number two, would Jack even know what song you're talking about? Uh, he would not know. And oh my Lord, now you're, you're putting me on my, on the spot. There, Drop you know? dead legs. Hot for yeah, teacher. Good. Yeah, well, hot for teacher. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I do like that. Hot song. for Harvey. You got to remember, I'm a Sammy guy. Okay, I'm really Sammy more than David Lee Roth. So you know, you think about some of those kind of inspirational hard rock songs they had. Higher, like Higher, probably. Okay. Uh, all right. You know, we could take that many ways. Um, <laughs> it's been legalized in many states, so there's nothing. Well, negative. I don't mean that way. Oh, okay, okay. Just sorry. Uh, Rob Ball also. Um, Mike, what is your, your favorite Van Halen song? Since you're a diehard Sammy fan, I'd assume it's one that he sang. He says, I'm going to guess it's best of both worlds since that fits your racing operation quite well, since you're both an IndyCar and IMSA. So closing the show with Rob's question, what's your favorite? That's a Sammy song. That's a Sammy song. It is. So yeah, let's go with that one. I like them all. I listen, I got last year. I got to see Sammy backstage at indianapolis before the race got to meet him thank you to sirius xm jim meyer and i got to hang out with them and and i was i was in heaven heaven and uh uh, i'm there anytime sammy's i even went to cabo san lucas once for his birthday for sammy's birthday holy crap yeah true story so 
I'm telling you something you probably already know, but if you need any favors and you know, everybody, we're just talking between ourselves. This isn't public. Uh, IndyCar president, Jay Fry, massive Van Halen fan. So, you know, yo, yeah, serious. So I'm just saying, if you get something, you know, coming across uh, to the timing stand, number 60 car penalized for such and such, just fire back. Might have backstage passes for the next uh, Sammy Van Halen thing. You know, yeah, you might I get gotta, yourself out of trouble. Yeah, we got to think about that. We always do something cool in Long Beach with Sirius, so we, I'll, I'll include him this time. I love it. Mr. Shank, thank you for taking some time, my friend. Uh, so happy for you. It's cool. You're doing the A-team thing, man. Love it when your plan is coming together. Uh, That's it. You're, you're making the plan, working the plan, and it's all coming to fruition. Congratulations again on all that's coming forth next year in IMSA for all the continued success that is coming and will be received in IndyCar and hopefully second car here before too long. Making things happen there, Mr. Shank. Man, thank you for everything, Marshall. Whatever I can do, man.